Welcome to another episode of Sonic Talk. This is episode uh, 336, I believe, recorded live today, Wednesday, 30th of October, the day before Halloween. Um, yes, it is the day before Halloween, one my daughter enjoys very much. She was turned 10 just last week. Happy birthday. Anyway, um, this episode is brought to you by Isotope. Uh, when I want to say more on that a bit later. Um, look out for the new RX3, but we will be um, talking about that later. You can get a 10-day download uh, free demo from isotope.com forward slash RX3. Right, um, so uh, let's start with some guests. I'm going to start in the studio because I have a very special Mr. Mark Tinley has joined us actually in the studio. He's here in person. I came by car. <laughs> Greetings, I came Greetings, by car. I came by car. Mark Tinley, uh, what were you doing here then, Mark? I went to buy another Line 6 guitar. <laughs> eBay. Ah, are you going to have like a massive rack of Line 6 guitar parts? I've got... I now have three Line 6 guitars. Because um, I keep buying them because I'm thinking I, I'm, that one's too good to rip apart and turn into something else. And then I go and buy another one and I turned up today and the one I just bought, as you saw, looks like the guy that's never played it and it's all still got all the um, mm. the plastic on it and everything. So I'm thinking that's too good to rip apart and turn into a, a semi-acoustic Line 6 guitar. So um, I'm not sure what to do next. Buy another one, I suppose. <laughs> ah, well, um, I don't know what to say about that. But yes, lines, the Line 6 introduction, uh, maybe we should get them to sponsor the show, although... Um we don't talk about Line 6 stuff all that much, although it's getting more and more of it. Anyway, Mark, Mark is, of course, a music technologist and uh, sound artist and creative thinker. Likebeing.com. There you go. He's even got his third Woo-hoo. right there. I imported it. It's, it's got the new font and everything. You'll be pleased to know. Excellent. <laughs> and uh, we'll also say hello to Mr. Dave Spears, G4Software.com, right there in uh, his synth cave, uh, wearing a Sonic State yeah. T-shirt. Nice. See you oh, flying yeah, the flag. Brandy. Look at that. Bit of brand nice. Do you want to see something really cool? Yeah, of course. Always. Got something really cool there. Flipping heck. What's that? It's got that? lights on. I've never it's seen one. Oh. Yeah. I've never seen with lights on. No, I did. Just the videos. Oh, yeah. Look at that. <gasps> and look, I don't, know whether you, I don't know whether you can see this, but when you play the envelope, these light up according to the envelope. Wow. Right? Say so ready, go. And roll. <laughs> that there is very that, cr- that is so cool. That's very Christmassy, Dave. That is beautiful. Yeah. What <laughs> that doesn't seem like you to go for the non purist approach. That's all custom, man. Uh it's the Phil Sirocco, you know, the CMS stuff he does, uh what's known as a Lumina display. And actually, they're, the sliders are amazing because normally they get sticky and ah, so you said they it, get it, gunking, so they're all complete. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful, and it's also got a uh, a little switch by the Odyssey logo which switches between the 24 dB and the 12 dB version of the filter. Lord. Oh, wow. You're mu- wow. I mean, every week now, Dave, there's got, surely there's got to be an end to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I'm buried... Uh, No, this is actually, this will come in useful for something, obviously, that we're talking about, which Um, we won't talk about yet. Interesting. Because it means we've got three of them. Ah. Wow. 
That is so nice. <laughs> that wow was uh, Gaz Williams. GazWilliams.me, look, with his new third and everything. Yes. Don't never say that I'm not good to you. It's only <laughs> taken me three weeks to retype uh, several letters. But, you know, I feel uh, it was worth the wait. It looks beautiful. Now you've got to get the yes. website sorted. Gaz Williams, of course, bass player <sighs> with his bass tree back there with various basses and uh, music technologist and uh, oh. reviewer of our uh, of Machine Studio, actually. We just shot that yesterday, and that's going to be something yes, that we hopefully um, we will see when the embargo for the reviews is lifted. I've never heard of a review yep. embargo because it's actually been announced, hasn't it? Mm. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I think that's the so. First of November, and that's when it becomes available as well. So, so any machine else. users out there, I think that come that date, I would get the software. Do not even question the wisdom of it. Just get it. Yeah, it really is well worth it. Excellent so, version two. Gaz does a, a rather marvellous, it's like getting off 30 minutes in-depth kind of uh, <laughs> thing, but it's good. It works out really nicely, actually. Uh, I, oh, hold on. Um, I've just got, uh, just coming in, breaking news, we have uh, non-Eric trying to get in touch with us, so I'm just going to go and sort them out. So I'll leave you with Mark, who will Yay. entertain you with biscuit eating. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yes. Well... <clears throat> Today's you must show have a biscuit, a biscuit music story for us. to you from Maryland. I've told the biscuit story before, haven't I? What is it? The biscuit, oh, well, I used to get called Biscuit Tinley by Roger, <laughs> um, Roger Taylor because I used to eat all the biscuits in the studio, but that's because I had no food in my house because I could tin. never ah. go shopping. Because I was always at work. <laughs> ah, well, we, we can now uh, we can now come straight to Mr. Non Eric from Musotalk.de, who is over there and joining us um, in in from Germany, in Germany. No, yeah, yeah well, yeah. in Germany. Let me just uh, let's see. Can you give us a bit of level, then, Hans? One, two, three, check. Can you hear me? Wow, is that okay, or do you need more? I need a bit more. You're very roomy, but it's, I can see that you've got lots of space. That's why it's roomy, because you're in a spatial... Yes, 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 yes. I, I have no microphone connected yet. Let me just um, get you a little bit of uh, gain on that channel a second. Oh. Let's see, is that better? Jesus, mine's gone really wow. loud. Uh, it's all right, <clears throat> just, I know why that is. Yeah, it's the impedance. What you need is that de-reverb, uh, deconvolution yeah. thing. Un unveil. Yeah. Yeah, that's what unveil we need. Unveil him. Okay. Please unveil me, man. <laughs> well, we may as well come to you now because you're there. Uh, this is non-Eric uh, from um, musictalk.de. Uh, our kind of uh, German mirror equivalent, music technology and other stuff, and does a lot of the same video type things that we do, but in German language. Well worth a visit. How are you, Hans? I'm fine. Long time no see. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, good yeah. Good we have you, and I'm glad, to, glad you... Uh, arrived but um you need a headset man really <laughs> well you know what can i say the chat room uh, are the chat room are complaining but i can't uh... let me see is it better if i talk into the camera like this oh my god one two three check it is uh, i'll just turn it down a bit <laughs> yeah because then it's not pulling up all the sorry about that so i need to i need the full audio setup here right uh, not necessarily. You you could just do with um, possible. Put an auto pan on him, Nick. Yeah, auto pan. Yeah. 
I could just put, we could just put a, uh, if you had a headset mic, like a Plantronics or something, but maybe, you know, we'll sort it out. Anyway, um, good to have everybody here. Now, let's see what our first uh, topic is, because uh, I know I've got one here somewhere. Oh, yeah, this is actually, um, this is a sort of creative, artistic one that I found. And this, I found this on Matrix Synth, uh, and it's just a great, let's see if I can... If we bring up the web, is that working? Yeah, Matrix Synth. And this is basically Joseph Skrocek. I think I'm pronouncing that right, and I'm not sure. Uh, there's a few videos. I'd never actually come across him before, but he's uh, he's kind of like, a, I guess, a prog rock uh, from Poland of some note, you know, and is part of Polish rock royalty. And looking at him, you'd sort of expect it perhaps to be very widdly and kind of, you know, too many notes. But uh, I just want to play this because it is absolutely beautiful. This is recorded... Uh, now, I'm not going to be able to pronounce any of this properly. This is Joseph Skrczek and Michael Banasik, who's uh, the late Michael Banasik, who is clearly a brilliant organ player. That's recorded live from the DVD CZAS2. I'm guessing Chaz. I'm not sure what, how you pronounce that either. Chaz. <laughs> but this is... I can't stop listening to this. This is one of the... Um, this is one of those um, pieces that just kind of has grabbed me and I can't stop listening to it. of sounds, I must say. <laughs> Not quite so well recorded. I'm going to stop there now because you can go and watch that at your leisure. Uh, but I'd not heard of this at all, and um, it just sort of got me thinking about, uh, well, a number of things, really. But the first one was, you know, obviously there's a lot of stuff out there that we're completely unaware of due to the fact that, you know, it's just non-language. I mean, guessing, Hans, you must... Uh, being on mainland Europe rather than Ireland, is it, are you aware of this guy and kind of the stuff that he's done? Because it, it just completely passed me by. But I've looked at a load of his things, and there's some great... If you look at his uh, website, which is skircheck.com... Uh, which I think I've got it here. There's a load of really good stuff, sort of filmic things and just really tasteful and beautiful bits of music. So I'm going to put you on the spot and see if you've heard of him. Because I haven't. No, no, no. But I, what I've found is, did you see the video at the bottom of the page where there is live from 1979? Yes. This one here. And the, ha the hairdo seems to be uh, identical almost. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny, isn't it? You kind of almost anticipate that it, it, it to be not 
as beautifully, uh, but it's just beautifully musical. You expect it to be a lot more widdly than it was, and it was actually really just great piece of stuff. I don't know, Gaz, you're you're a, you're a rock uh, progger fan. Have you heard of this guy? I've just completely passed me by, but. I guess no, no. It, but that is very much up my street. I love the idea of synthesizers in churches and sort of and, and church organs. I've I've rattled on about my love of church organs before in the past, especially of um, Jean Gillot, an organist who plays in Saint Eustache in Paris. I was in Paris for a few months last year and used to go and watch this guy play there. And he was he he'd been the organist there since 1964, and he and he'd had the, the organ redesigned in 1989 to his specifications, you know. And the thing that was amazing about this guy, I mean, he he studied under Messiaen, so he, he and he made these he. You can go and see him. He plays there every Sunday, half past five. It's free to go and watch. He'll play like a Bach piece, and then he'll play one of his own pieces. But his music is properly, psychedelically mind-blowing. <laughs> and what's particularly amazing about it is, because he's been there for such a long time, not only is he playing the organ, he plays the room. Right, you know, yeah. he does these big sub-bass things and boom, and he knows how long it takes for the sort of for the for the echo of the bass, and then he sort of so he builds that into his music. And uh, absolutely, whoa! You got to check him out, Jean Gillot. Ah, no, thank you. I'll else. check that out. Something else. There's uh, actually a guy in Germany called Peter Barres, and he does uh, classic music, but it's all improvisation, and he does it in a church. And they had the, the 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 organ built to his specification for that special church, and it's so crazy the music. I mean, it never repeats itself. But it, after a while, you sort of really get into it and it gets you really high. And it's the most wildest improvisations I've ever heard. Oh, so what, what's, he, what's he called? Peter Barres. You'll have to send okay. us a link so that we can uh, we yeah, can have the show notes. I think the thing that I found special about this is because I know that playing an organ is actually really difficult because in a, in a large mechanical organ in a large space like that, the um, when you play the note, the sound doesn't come for it's what a quarter of a second or half a second or more in some cases. So playing along with that and responding to anything must be really really difficult. I can't imagine how you would do that. Have you ever played an organ, Dave? What church organ? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just clarify that, yeah. will you? <laughs> no, the a church yeah. organ, yes, once. It was bloody hard work. Did you? I mean, was it a pedal one? There used to be one in the nightclub that I, upstairs in the nightclub that I used to frequent. That um, that uh, we used to pedal on. Uh, yeah, it had pedals. It was yeah, it had about seven or eight manuals. It was it was nice actually, and and exactly <laughs> as Gareth says, it's the ambience. And I think as you said, you know, playing. With that ambience and everything is just awesome. I was blown away by this actually. Oh, this good! Guy. I'm glad you. He looked like Father. He looked like Father Jack, didn't he, for a bit? <laughs> I was like, oh, come on! <laughs> yeah. And then he started playing, and it was. It's really tasteful, and it's nicely done, and there's a lot of space in between the notes. And yeah, no, very impressive. In fact, yeah, I and it, kind of had it on repeat. And even the prog stuff, which I'm not wildly partial to, was bearable Acceptable. for me. Yeah. Wow, that's and it's great something. seeing some of those since Sonic Six and yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, some great old, stuff old. in there. I know, Mark. I, oh, that's not you, Mark. Where? Oh, that's uh, that's Mark. Sorry, I've got a new button for Mark because he's in the studio. I keep forgetting. I keep looking for you on Skype. Uh. But you're not there. <laughs> you're here. I'm here. Oh God. Good grief. Where did I come from? In a car. Um, what do I think? I think I like um, the sound of it. Reminds me of Pink Floyd's "Wish You Were Here." That 
very emotive somewhere well i guess it's a guitar on the pink floyd thing but, <clears> but maybe not actually maybe mm -hmm. i need to go and re-listen to that but it had that sort of which really track shine on you crazy diamond it must be that yeah it's like that lead solo sound is very similar. I don't know if the notes are the same. But it sounds like a sort of sine wave kind of thing, doesn't it? But it, it evoked the same kind of uh, emotion in me and kind of like that soft kind of, uh, it's an open space kind of emotion. Um, yeah, airy. It really did sound churchy, but without being religious, if you know what I yeah. mean. Yes, I love churches. I love the sound in churches. You'll catch when I go into Catholic churches and creep round in corners and like clap my hands and sort of listen to the <laughs> ambience and the reflections and everything. Much to the well, the the, the uh, clergymen usually come out to see what the hell's going on because there's this kind of guy shuffling around doing all this. <laughs> that kind of like, Can I help you? I'm uh, like, oh, no, just listening to your reverb. Oh, <laughs> they, they don't know what it means, but whatever. That's brilliant. As I walk through the valley of the. Uh, as I walk through the Valley of the Filters envelopes, I fear no evil, you are with me. Nice one. Thank you very much, erroneous nickname. <laughs> um, it's interesting, though, isn't it? That, that kind of idea of uh, you, uh, duetting with some, something uh, uh, as mechanical as that. I mean, I, I don't... Is there a kind of history of this? I don't remember seeing much of this going on. I mean, it just seems like a, such an obvious connection. But, I mean... I, I've never seen it done, at least, or maybe I have seen it done, but discounted it, and that's just it, you know, and this has just been the only time it's ever worked. It's to do with the length of the pipe, isn't it? The reason why there's the, de the delay is because the whole thing's mechanical, so there's a yeah. bloody great big fan blowing air up pipes, and then you press a button or a key, and it opens a flap at the top of that pipe and lets the air out, so it's, it's all about... Or does it? No, maybe it lets the air in the bottom, and it's got to get to the top of the pipe before it sounds. But the higher notes have less of a delay on them than the lower notes. Uh, so, so there's got to be like a huge skill involved in getting that. The the, you know the, it's got to be like playing with what like what we're used to latency. But there's going to be a variable latency across the width of the keyboard. It's got to be really God, that's really a, yeah, hard. That sounds to play. like a bit of a nightmare. Anyway, I just did, thought I'd enjoy that. If you get a chance to check it out, uh, he's called Skirt. If I go to his site, Josef Skirchek. <coughs> and it's, uh, if we go here, this is his website. And it's skirchek.com. I don't know if I've pronounced that right. Excuses if I haven't. I'm not so hot on Polish pronunciation. Did I say that right, Hans? Do you think? Um, no idea. Poland is close, but still, I wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, you seem to have shrunk. I'm going to have to uh, bring you back into yeah. uh, focus here. But before I forget, I want to really uh, use the occasion to ask our iPad crew out there, <laughs> the Sonic Touch crew, what you think of the uh, Impta app audio in GarageBand and in um, Aurea and Beatmaker, because I was really disappointed, because there is no input latency compensation. Ah. If you trigger everything from MIDI, while it seems to be in time when you play live. Any f thoughts on that from you guys? I haven't checked it out yet. I don't know, um, Dave, you were. Yes. Hey, uh, I've, tried it. I've tried it on GarageBand, but I haven't actually tried it with anything sort of percussive. I was just doing sort of uh, quite long legato-y sort of synth stuff. So well, if you good tip. guess if you play it, if you, uh, sorry, if you play it live in yeah. GarageBand, yeah. no problem. Yeah. So it's, it's, you, there seems to be no extra buffer. But when I 
uh, use SpeedMaker, route the MIDI to the Inter app audio app, and <laughs> it comes back, then it's laid by one buffer. Also by, no, by, by a 256 samples buffer. Wow. And I wow. was hoping that would be resolved because uh, on the iPad we're still in the pre-input latency uh, days. And I'm talk- yeah. Have you? Uh, uh, talk- sorry, Dave. You you were you were you were going to come in there. I think. Did you uh, did you have something to add? Uh, no, not on the latency front. Uh, I did a video on because don't forget, GarageBand 10 is now sandbox. Yippee! He rolls his eyes. Um, so we were expecting a little bit of agony there, and so I did a video on actually you can use third-party audio unit plugins in it. So I did a video which I put on our website how to do but that because it's so right? hidden. It's amazing. Sorry, Hans. But that's you're talking about the Mac version. I'm talking exclusively about the iOS version, where we're, uh, we're hoping to. I mean, GarageBand on 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 iOS doesn't have MIDI tracks. So you can't really check it, but uh, Beatmaker right, just right. came out with a new version. And I was routing MIDI into uh, Nave from Waldorf, recording that through inter-app, inter-app audio, yes. Yeah. And yeah. then I found it to be just as late as if I would do it with audio buzz. Ah. So it's more a problem of the hosts, I guess. So, well, I mean, yeah. it's inevitable, really, that you know we're going to get these kind of real-time latency issues with something. I mean, the thing about the... Uh, a lot of the iOS apps is they get around this by by using kind of pre-triggered or pre-configured um, trigger points. You know where you trigger a pattern and so you, you or you pre-make something and then launch it. Certainly oh. with the and with GarageBand it does a lot of freezing, doesn't it as well? So so I mean it's inevitable. But uh, perhaps on the new uh, iPad Air or uh, whatever where we've got the A7 and the X64 architecture that might come down because obviously it's got a lot more extra processing. But it's, I don't think, Nick, that it's down to uh, the processing power because yeah, it's, it's, in ever, it's just in, simply in, not. It's just simply not got latency or uh, compensation. That's what you're suggesting, isn't it, Hans? Just it hasn't got the latency compensation like like, like software used to not have in the past. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We're back in the dark you know, in the, ages, in right? the bad old days. Right. Yeah. <laughs> good point. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I was frustrated because uh, I talked to a developer and he said, "Yeah, the the inter app audio apps will be rendered in the in the buffer of the host application, blah blah blah." And I was generally hoping that I could sort of uh, use an external app just like a plugin on my computer. But we're not there yet. But I talked to uh, the Steinberg guys, and they have it on their agenda. Ah, well, that's good. Uh... Google in the chat room says we need to wait for iPad <laughs> 9 uh, to remove that latency. <laughs> yeah, iPad exactly. Pro. Yeah. iPad Pro. Yeah, but there's, all, yeah. there's always a latency that's inevitable, in, no matter how fast uh, the, the hardware becomes, because you have input latency compensation on your Mac or PC as well. Yeah. But I, I just did a couple of tests, actually, that were rather disappointing and more or less frustrating. I t- tried... Uh, Studio One, Logic, I tried uh, Traction, and uh, I think Pro Tools, and I was doing simple loopback tests to figure out whether the input latency correction would work properly, and I found that um, using my Pro Palette's balance interface, uh, there would be the wrong delay reported to the host. So Studio One is like 50 samples early, 
So it puts the audio file in front of the point where it's supposed to be. And um, I can compensate that with logic and with Cubase and also with Pro Tools by, you know, just giving it the right. I think you, you guys who know logic, you know, there's a special in the audio setup. Yeah, input latency say, compensation, yeah. Yeah, plus and minus, and you can adjust it by your samples, which is great because then it's really spot on if you measured it yourself once. But if I put in a sculpture software synthesizer in Logic 10, input latency freaks out. And it's about 200 milliseconds late. And uh, Mackie, uh, the traction program does it, has an in, built-in loopback test, which then figures out the correct amount of milliseconds to that, pre. That would seem that would seem to be the most sensible thing to do, actually. I mean, yeah. have, it, have a built-in thing. Uh, I mean, but it doesn't work. Uh, it's, uh. Different with, <laughs> it's different with every buffer, so it's crazy. So I found no. No host application out there that would work properly out of the box, which means that in my, that if you play something along to your playback and record it, it's out of time. and you ever wondered you're not really grooving, it could be down to input latency compensation not working the way it should be, which I think yeah. find extremely disappointing in the year yes. 2013. God, and I just thought I was a bad guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, Mark, Mark, not with all those Line 6 products. I know, be. yeah. I, I, well, I there's latency in those. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a weird thing. I mean, if you play mm. with headphones on and you're playing away, it just feels kind of okay and your brain compensates for it. Yeah, if you play, constant. If you play quiet through, uh, by the time I've got a Line 6 guitar going through a Line 6 pod and then coming out a set of speakers, and there's going to be latency, even in the amps, there's a bit of latency. And I can hear me plucking the string way ahead of it coming out the speaker. And it's a very strange kind of thing because then your brain tries to mend, uh, mend that and tries to put the sound of the open strings on the electric guitar with what's coming out the speaker. And then it really gives you a full sense of what it sounds like. It's very odd. It's interesting, though, because we're, we're used to working with latency across everything. You know, MIDI's got inherent latency. We just kind of get to it is there do you, do you find dave you know one of the things of obviously getting all of these hardware synthesizers in that there's a more <coughs> positive playing experience just purely because it's you press the note and the voltage moves and there's very little latency is it a different kind of thing yeah no latency on analog synths yeah. actually but maybe exactly. the feel, that's the one phase of the waveform one of the interesting... some keyboard mechanisms are pretty grim though i, I yeah. have to say that you know, they haven't, they, no one really got their act together until, I reckon, the kind of late 70s. When you look at the mid-70s and early 70s stuff, some of the... I mean, even with bushings completely replaced and, you know, keybeds just evened out as much as possible, sometimes they can be as flappy and scary as hell. Mm, interesting. Mm. Mark, you were going to say... Do you guys find that it, that, that, that it makes your playing worse? Because I tried... Uh, did, then I did a test and I was just playing eighth note. Going tick 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 to figure out if it would be if I would have a better timing with less less latency or whether I could fully compensate. And then I found that I'm actually better. I play a lot better, and it's less stressful if I have very little latency. Yeah, well, that I suppose that would make sense, Mark. You were. Um, yeah, I was reading something that um, uh, a MIDI guitar 
designer had written, so the guy designed some of the Fishman stuff, and he was saying guitarists have a latency between this hand and this hand, so the hand that plays the chords leads, and they took, was it John McLaughlin, I think, the very good classical guitarist, and they measured the difference between what he was doing here and what he was doing here, and if you, if you lead and play the chord with the left hand before you strum it on a MIDI guitar, the MIDI knows that that's happened and you end up with these tiny little glitches. And he said that John McLaughlin's left hand was 20 milliseconds ahead of his right hand, I think. Wow. So that meant that he triggered the note with his left hand before he played the note with his right hand, so you get these little 20 millisecond glitches in there. So if you put all of the six strings down one MIDI channel, then it starts to cause all sorts of problems. But it, So it's even inherent just in the way that we're playing. And he said, obviously, if you're not such a great guitarist as one of the best guitarists in the world, then you know there's going to be a lot more latency between making the chord shape and I strumming it. So. I, su I suppose that's mechanical, which is something that yeah. you, you would have a feel for, and it's, it's sort of pre presentable, but something that's kind of introduced that is not part of your own bio-system is <laughs> sort of harder. I mean, if you're playing, you guys ever... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, you if you're playing strings, you're going to play strings ahead of the beat so that you get the swell over the beat, aren't mm. you? I suppose so. What about vocals? Because we did a vocal recording a couple of weeks ago, and we were using a native system, and there was only, it said, I think, only 30, 32 samples um, latency, buffer. But the singer was already totally confused. Maybe it's because of the headphone, you know, her voice being loud, delayed, while she hears herself through herself. Yeah. Once we put in the DSP card, no more problems. But before that, her timing was odd. Wow. Well, that's interesting. Um, I have to uh, interrupt, interrupt there because we have uh, t a time for our ad. Obviously, I mentioned this earlier. Um, nothing more to say, but to, than to play. Um, well, let's play it, and then I can tell you what it's all about if it, the button works. Oh, there we are. Isotope, of course. RX3. Uh, this is the latest generation of Isotope's uh, award-winning sound and de-reverum <laughs> sound restoration suite uh, with RX3 you get a whole bunch of new stuff you get uh, de-reverb technology so you can remove or enhance the ambience as you wish uh, you've also got uh, a lot of uh, Dialogue denoising uh, plugins, which you can run in real time, so it allows you to have <coughs> multi tracks, which enables you to be basically, if you're working in film, you can run a lot of them and you know get more out of your processor. There's lots of ways to work faster. We've got tabbed browsing, we've got uh, the ability for multiple undo. You can now save RX in a document format, which means that you can come back to it and have multiple levels of undo. You can have same copies and have different processes working on the same file. All sorts of ways of working. Basically, if you want to get hold of it and work it for yourself, uh, you go to isotope.com forward slash RX. I think I've... Yes, there we go. For a 10-day trial, isotope.com forward slash RX. In fact, um, that's fully functional, so we thoroughly recommend it. I want to say thank you once again to Isotope for sponsoring the show, and if you do need denoising, I mean, we use it all the time in video, we use it for all sorts of things. It's just great for sort of saving a take, or if there's any distortion, you can declip. There's all sorts of things that you can do, and it's, it's the sort of thing, if you are an audio pro, you should probably have it in your toolkit, because it really is... Uh, a very hard one to live without once you've actually had it at your disposal. Right, next one. Um, ah, our microbrew. Yes, I'll play this. Just because this is... Uh, oh, I'll take that out of the 
great and uh, what's interesting is uh, not so much about maybe about the Arturia but th- this kind of this this new millennium of analog we seem to have just a lot more of these things coming along and it's quite interesting I'm wondering about the dynamic of that really because it seems to me the only way you can achieve these amazing things is you know you have to take the transition from you know building it in, at home on your workbench or in some small cottage industry where it will cost a lot and transitioning to, to manufacture in China. And it seems that that's a major challenge uh, for these kind of things. I know, Dave, you're the synth nut. I know uh, you and Arturi are probably not the uh, fondest of, uh, of bedfellows, but in terms of, you know, as being competitors, but, I mean, as a synthesizer, 269 quid, that is pretty remarkable, right? That's, that's cheaper. That is amazing. It's cheaper than a... Um, than a, a Dofa A11-5 mini synth, which is just a module. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, uh, it is amazing. It sounded, it actually sounded not bad as well. Have you have you come across the Steiner Parker filter before? I mean, you haven't. I've noticed you haven't actually got a Steiner Parker. No, uh, only on a synthicon, uh, which is it sounded great. I mean, it was uh, what's the synthicon three oscillator gizmo, uh, and again. When you crank the res up, it didn't particularly attenuate the bottom end, which I like in a filter, actually. I mean, yeah. I like all sorts of filters, but I do like that because it gives you that kind of bottom end grunt. But with the, with the resonant peak, you know, you can peak it. It sounds very much like an MS-20 kind of vibe, certainly on the mini brew, uh, micro brew anyway. But uh, it's got that same uncontrollable harmonic kind of... It's like, it's like a teenager's breaking voice. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't quite sort of yeah, never know yeah, exactly yeah. what's going to happen. I don't know if that's uh, an Arturia thing or the Steiner Parker generally. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, I haven't spent that much time. I know uh, Kent, the uh, nice chap who fixes our stuff, he has or he had one up there, which I checked out, which I did like, yeah. actually, but they are insanely expensive. Yeah. That, that's, uh, and you can, you can get modules, aren't they? Because Evuson that made, makes, uh, makes one or two. Uh, non, Eric, have you... Uh, Ah, you've got the Pulse 2. I've been trying to get a hold of one of those for ages. That's the sort of alternative... That's your sort of antithesis, I suppose, because it's, uh, it's, it's analogue, but it's uh, DCO, is it? Or is it VCO on that? It's actually, yes. It's, um, it says analogue synthesizer, but I guess... I mean, the Pulse 1 was the uh, analogue synthesizer, a pure analogue synthesizer, so I haven't had a chance to delve too much into it yet. But what I can say initially is that this is thing is built like a fucking tank. I wouldn't want to have one of those hit on my head. And it's made in Germany. Whoa. Yes. And it's 500 euros, but it really feels like a tank. And, you know, the whole, you know, I've, I've tested a couple of smaller since recently, but this one is extremely well built. It's nice when that happens. I like to see yes. it well built. 
and I will be interested to hear what I heard in the latest generation of cheap analog synthesizers from Korg and the others, is that they are pretty noisy. I mean, do you guys have the same experience? You know, uh, with the Korg ones, for example, there's a sort of a kind of a... I only, uh, to be honest, I, the, the, the bass and the beats were quiet. The keys were noisy, I thought. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bass and the beats didn't actually make a lot of noise, but the, certainly the delay on the vocal keys added an enormous amount of noise, but it sounds like it's using kind of, you know, subdivided two-bit RAM to create the delay, so I'm not so sure whether that's uh, that's such a you know, bad thing. But I think the thing is, is what's beautiful about it is, you know, the, the idea that we can cook all this stuff up, because I managed, you know, could hook the Volkers up to the uh, microbrew and you could do uh, do various things with it. But the thing that really I found quite interesting was more the fact that, you know, the microbrew and the mini-brew, essentially, you know, very similar synthesized, but somehow the microbrew, it's down to form factor. It's really peculiar. Though. So you essentially got the same thing, but just somehow, because it's smaller, it seems to be... It seems to work better, and I found the same thing with oh, the cool. Mini Nova and the Ultra Nova. I don't know if you've had the same thing. And, and even with the keys, even with the Mini keys. Yes, it honestly, didn't really affect me at all the Mini keys. But then I'm no, you know, it's, it's a monosim, so I'm no real player. But yeah, no, just, I'm interested. It just felt it... more right somehow. Yeah, okay, Maybe because yeah, no, we're getting more used to small equipment. A smaller iPad, a smaller yeah, yeah. iPhone, a smaller synthesizer. That's the way everything goes. And in, I mean, the Volker series, they're, they're only that big and the light and everything. It's Maybe. I don't know if it's just that, though. I think there's something else to it. It's, it, it, it's you know, different... It's that whole thing, and you, when you're making a synthesizer, you probably have to, you know, you have to commit to, you know, this is the form factor and this is it. Whereas, in fact, if you made the decision slightly differently, you know, just industrially designed and different case or whatever, <laughs> you might have a could be com- perceived completely differently. I mean, there were those things when there were lots of different wasps um, packaged. There was a wasp deluxe, and a, you know, so the, the, you'd have the same synthesizer, but it, and same, you get the same thing with like the Korg MS20 education thing. Same synthesizer, different box, just has a completely different. You have a completely different relationship with it. Oh. Do you find? Are you, I mean, Mark, you've got a lot of uh, Line Six guitars. <laughs> are some of the forms <laughs> of them, you know, easier I to? Check, to... Uh, you know, uh, it can be like down to the simplest thing. Okay, so I've got a Yamaha. What's it called? <coughs> it's a little Yamaha. You've got CSO one. No, it's a Yamaha guitar thing. EZ. EG oh, yes, or yeah. something, yeah, yeah. and I've been wrestling with that thing for, for ever since I bought it because I thought I'll get rid of my MIDI guitar, I'll just get a this Yamaha thing, I'll be able to input chords with that because I can't do anything like hugely uh, elaborate on a MIDI guitar anyway because it's never quite doesn't quite always work. And this thing's just horrible to play today. This morning, I was looking at the whammy bar thing on it and I thought. I wonder if that comes off, because every time I put it in the case, it gouges a hole in the front of the guitar. So I took it off and then started playing it. Suddenly, the whole playing experience is completely transformed by the fact that I've got just that little bit more movement on my hand over the guitar bridge. Interesting. To put my hand in a different place to play the strings. And suddenly I was like, oh my God, this is actually playable without that silly piece of metal there. So I think it is really important ergonomically and on synthesizers if i can play keys and grab knobs and do things that 
works much better for me than like doing one key at a time and then doing something with the mouse. It is definitely about getting your hands in there and where they put things is really important. Interesting. I note that uh, Nonagera has a wasp. Is this one of your weapons of choice well, from your techno days? It's still working! Uh, it's great. Cre creaks like a lunchbox, but still works. I think there's only a couple out there that still work. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and there was a smaller one, right? The spider? The gnat. No, no, the, spi the gnat and the spider was the sequencer, right? They should go. Oh, hold on. Ah, Yay! so what's that one? Is that a gnat? That is a gnat special because it's got some wood attached wood to it. Wood on it, yeah. Gnat's got wow. wood. There's a, there's a Which... show title for you, I think. That's got wood, gnat's yeah. Got wood on it. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I've got to go to the door. Okay, so, no problem. Do you want me to open I'll, the I'll door. meet you in a sec? Uh, it's interesting, this mini keys thing. I, uh, I have listened to loads of musicians who've gone, ah, mini keys, I can't deal with mini keys, I can't. It's not proper music unless, you're, unless they're full-size keys and whatnot. And then somebody played me a video of a guy, uh, it's actually this poor, uh, Rule Ridon and Richard Boner, and the keyboard player is this guy, uh, Jean-Philippe Riker, who's a French guy, and I'm going to post it in the chat room. And it's, this, it's a blind French keyboard player jamming over a well-known track. He's the funkiest of the funkiest, and it's mini keys. It's a, it's a Yamaha CSO1, and he's using the breath controller. And it is so full of expression and life. It is utterly brilliant. Well, so you've also got now anyone who slags off mini keys, well, you've got just go, no, watch this. Troutman and DX100, surely, as well. Yeah, I've true, bought, um, but this is more funky than that. I've just bought the Korg Micro Keys uh, controller with a 37-key Micro Keys thing, and... I I don't know. I can't quite get to grips with it because I I like the feel of big keys and what they've basically done is I think on a big keyboard it's about 120 centimeters an octave, isn't it? And I think they've condensed it just down to about 100 centimeters. So it's not like they're not massively smaller, massively smaller. That... <laughs> I, I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Gaz, sorry, I haven't come to you for a little while. I've, I've, I'm feeling you, you're, you're neglected. <laughs> you've, got, you've surely got to be uh, angling for something, that, uh, one of these new Nouveau analogues that's come out. Surely. Which one are you going to get? Oh, gosh. You know, I keep thinking that the stylophone might win just because oh. it's just so quirky and I love that kind of quirky sort of, you know, so and I wonder just how long. The dual the, one. The, 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 no, the... the the S2, the yeah, style of yeah, the S2. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, just because, you know, it does seem like a lot of money, but, I mean, that's only a little bit more than the the um, the microbrute, isn't it? So, I mean, I, I know that the microbrute would be a more useful and practical thing. It's just, I think there's the sort of, like, esoteric quality of the stylophone that looks quite uh, appealing So to you're, me. we're talking I, style over substance here, then, Gaz, are we? <laughs> Stylo over substance. <laughs> 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 um, oh, good. That was a good one. Yeah, thank you. I think it would be a nice companion for the OP1, the stylophone as well, just sort of on a form factor kind of. Uh, maybe thing. I, I think. I keep picking it. these things up that they're littered all around your. Um, the monotron. Yeah, things like this. I mean, that's a. That's, that's a, But uh, I've seen pictures of those and thought that just looks rubbish. It is. But now I've picked it up, I, I'm like, ooh, that looks really nice. Is it rubbish? I would like to play. Uh, oh, sorry, Gaz. 
No, I, would, I was just going to make... There was something else I wanted to mention, and that was that um, I discovered through to, uh, some, some people help, um, giving me some helpful comments on my blog about uh, a little app called MIDI Bridge that you can run on your iPad or your iPhone. And now on the iPhone from iOS 7, because you can plug your kind of USB malarkey in you know your little uh, camera connection kit into your iphone i've actually been playing the um oh yeah this the, the, uh, the cme x keys yeah but that, playing my op1 my op1 has got a usb it's, it's got midi but it's only got a usb socket on it this has also just got a usb socket on it too but what the iphone does with midi bridge it acts as a little kind of um <coughs> midi router so you can send the MIDI coming out of this to the iPhone and then from the iPhone to the OP1. And, oh. uh, Does the OP1 uh, respond to Poly Aftertouch? Uh, no, oh, I don't think so. I haven't noticed it doing anything yet, but uh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. But uh, I just thought that was quite interesting, you know, just sort of like the iPhone being like a... Because I've been waiting for the iConnect MIDI, the little box, to come yeah, out. Me too. still waiting for it. I've been, um, I've been well, after a copy for ages, but they just haven't got it. The iConnect 2... The, uh, the, I, the iConnect MIDI 2 is out now, so that's ah. kind of getting... And that does have that audio pass-through technology. Which but surely isn't that going to cause that um, latency issue that we've been talking about as well, or is it not, as long as you're not using inter-app audio? But the way that that uh, audio pass-through technology works, because we're waiting to see that, because just to, to give a bit of background for anyone... Uh, if you were to take an iPad and connect it into your <laughs> studio system, the audio, oh. if you use this little box, it, it not only is a MIDI connector, it, it actually takes the audio through your iOS device into this little box and then into the computer. Uh, and it does that, but you do have to create an aggregate device, which I guess is yeah. an obvious well, that's But if you've got, if it just works like drivers... So if if the audio latency on my Mac is say sixty four and I have it set as as that box set as one driver for the Mac, that's going to be the latency there. And if I have the iPad going, and it will be going through a different driver, but with a small amount of latency. I don't see wh why the latency needs to sort of expand or or get bigger if it if it if it has DSP in it and it can route stuff around really fast without having to you uh, without having to. I know I worked. I read all about this thing, and I worked out that it theoretically it should in, introduce no more latency than the latency you've got on the longest latency driver. Mm. I, 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 I might be wrong, of course, but I'm not in sure. Theory, it but, shouldn't. But 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 we are already <laughs> touching on a subject here uh, that we should also discuss when we talk about these small little synthesizers: is how to integrate them into your computer setup. Because what good is it if I have one or two of these little nice analog toys, but I want to use it in my song. So we're back to the good old days, MIDI, USB, routing back into there. What do we do? Well, yeah, you have to. I mean, certainly with the microbrute, you've got a MIDI interface and you have to record the audio. I mean, like with any analog synthesizer, I mean, it's analog, so therefore it's not yeah. digital. So it has to be captured. I mean, that's just the way, the way it goes. I mean, presumably just... But you know, well, in practice, most people will not be too lazy to do that on a regular basis and use these small synthesizers to play around, create some sounds and sample it. But when they do a full-end production, I don't see 
too many people that I know going through the pain of recording the audio of the synthesizer and blah, blah, blah. I don't so know. That's I, I wonder... Yeah, maybe you're right. That's interesting, though, because I, I did a remix recently, and I started by using lots of out-of-the-box stuff. I talked about this before, but what I ended up doing was just taking the Jupiter 6, which is over there, and I was much more... I, I could get sounds I wanted out of it much <coughs> more quickly, and I just recorded those. Yeah, my brother that, does I just that. Did, just, just record the synth, yeah, that's my part. And, and so, you know, it's... Obviously that may be working in the UK, Nick. No, no, no. But in <laughs> Germany, we are control freaks, you know? We don't, we don't like to be recorded all the time, especially with our chancellor, you know? And we like full control of ourselves, so no recording of audio, please. And total, and, and total recall, all right? Yeah, yeah to the military. Total recall, absolutely. Total recall from the NSA. They're great. They're our friends and brothers because I can... Always go back to my old songs, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of course, Brilliant. I like that. But my brother records all analog stuff and makes loops out of it, and then he drags all the loops into Logic, and then he makes music with his own loops, which I think is a good, another good way of doing it. Yeah, because he doesn't really understand how to MIDI things together or how to plug things together. He's just like, this is making a good noise. I'll record that. I'll work out what the loop is, and then it and logic kind of sorts it out for him, which is nice. So, yeah, I mean, it's all down to your workflow, idea. But yeah, I, I don't see a problem in uh, incorporating this stuff. I mean, Dave, you have to do it all the time. You know, you just record it as audio, presumably. That's it. Yeah, and half the joy is in uh, first of all being able to create using a tactile control surface with knobs and having some interaction with that instrument. Mm. Secondly. I know uh, Hans may be averse to it, but you have to commit. There are times where you have to commit, and sometimes it actually speeds the process up because you go, okay, done, right. And when you've changed that sound, particularly on the modular and the eight voice and stuff like that, when you've altered that sound, you won't go back to it. Even if you could, you could spend you know, an hour and a half maybe trying to get back to it, but the chances are you won't get close. So in your head, you've disengaged that part of the process oh, and you're on to yeah, the yeah. next thing. Well, actually, what I do, uh, or what I did in this instance, is I would say, well, I've kept this part and I record it with the filter more open than perhaps I wanted, and then I just slap a filter over it and close it down afterwards, you know, or envelope it or add an AFO. So you can actually effectively resynthesize. It's sort of like reamping, I suppose. I resynthesize oh. my synthesizer audio recordings with plugins so i could just and you know if it's out of time or whatever i can chop it up so i can do lots more but it's the the the, the notion of finding the sound for the moment playing it in and just going bang that's what i want you know and then and but i can tweak it later and like you know like i did I open it and close it and what have you that's a great idea and in fact i think it's one of the kind of big tricks in utilizing this stuff well the one big problem that we've all got with anything you know external and old school is that we can't clock lfos and stuff like that so if you use them to their strengths and have basically use the LFO to kind of modulate gently and then within the computer you apply fairly strict completely uh, you know um, sampled LFOs then actually the hybrid of the two seems to create this kind of another world where you go oh there's some really interesting movement because not everything is locked well, that's interesting you can say that because you can do it with a silent way. And so, uh, I, I was looking back at some reviews uh, there. You know, you can actually, if you've just got some uh, some spare outputs of your audio interface that will do um, 
uh, DC coupled, then you could just have a, like an LFO running and you can plug that into a control, certainly on a modular, and that would certainly work on the microbrew. I mean, the thing about the microbrew is it's 100% analog. It's not like the base station 2 where... You know, all of the knobs couldn't send MIDI control. There's none of that. It's just an analog synth with no on, and uh, you can clock the LFO. I mean, that's the uh, to the sequencer, and I think you can clock sequencer to external MIDI clock, or certainly to a gate input. So you do have a, a level of control over. So I mean, yes, it's just a question. You have to adapt. Adapt, Hans. That's the way to do it. Okay, I try to adapt myself <laughs> and, and, and live. With an unsecure. <laughs> no, no, but I think the, the point that Dave made is very, very valid. Uh, I guess you, you get results a lot quicker. I think uh, today a lot of people just spend too much time fiddling around. They have a hundred tracks on there. I went to a friend's house a couple of weeks ago. He had over a thousand unfinished songs. And if he wouldn't be able to do that, uh, he would have probably have more songs that people can hear out there because they have to be finished because you have to start a new song. You know, they have to finish your old one before you can start a new one. So you finish your old one and you don't, you know, so I think, yeah, maybe that's just the right way to go. Record the audio that it's burned on the track. It's Nothing done. you can do about it. It's done. Live with it. Next song. Yeah. I, I was kind of thinking about this point actually today. I, I, I'm very. I've got so many unfinished songs, probably like many of us here. <laughs> uh, but then I did actually start thinking. A lot of the time, that's what I enjoy is starting songs. So yeah, just starting know, them. I definitely just starting enjoy them. that. that that's yeah. So my favourite thing. Just, and then, so actually, spending loads of time just wading through editing something that will never be heard by anyone anyway. You know, <laughs> it's sort of uh, it's just almost a bit pointless. Yeah, so just like to make new songs all the time. Just new new beginnings. Yeah, it's exciting though, isn't it? I mean, when yeah. you start following a little musical idea. It, it that's becomes... a very good point, Mark. Excitement is, what I find is uh, that the excitement level, I mean, music is communication. And com communication belongs to a moment, I always feel. Mm. There's a certain situation, a certain mood, certain kind of people together in a room. It creates one moment. And music should also try to, to be that. And I find for my music that when I go back to tracks all the time, unfinished songs, it's very hard for me to get back to that excitement, to that emotion, to understand that moment. And, you know, carry on in that vein and finish that sort of moment. So what I did uh, recently was to do, uh, to record, mix, and write the lyrics and everything for a song in 24 hours. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, that me too. Good. I love doing that as well. No edits. <laughs> I always get stuck after the first verse, though, and I have to do the first verse <laughs> twice. So if you listen to any of my songs, it's always the same verse twice. Just, and then just so get <laughs> so I get into the idea of it, and I think, oh, it's really good, I've got to record that. And then when I've recorded it, I've lost the moment of being in the process of writing the lyric. So I get overexcited. But, and... but, would, but would you guys agree that, that, that it's a sort of the excitement gets lost if you just... I think it's music is now it's a it's a moment but if i if i work on a track for two months which moment 
That's the one thing I found when I was do- working on this mix. It was like I really enjoyed the writing of the parts mm. and the kind of rough arrangement, but really I'd much rather have just handed it over to someone to mix and sort out because once I start getting into that, I just find it... I don't enjoy that part of it. it I just I feel enjoyed. inadequate because I never do that. My mixing's not that good, you know. It's it's not that's not my strong point. But I'm working on my own, so I don't get any choice. <laughs> so that's just that. Start a mix competition like I did. Ah, to finish yeah. what? To finish yeah, your talk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We did a, a talk about mixing, and I thought, oh, it's always so theoretical when we talk about these production techniques. Why not just have your song and we talk about my song? So. I did a rough mix of my song, and then I uh, offered um, the, the the stems of the song uh, for people to download, so they can make up their own mind or do their own mix. And somebody in another forum started a mix competition with my tracks, so I got lots, lots, lots of track uh, mixes now. Were they so all different? Mi- were they all different mixes, or quite a lot of different arrangements? No, it was purely mixing, so there was no, no, no arrangement to be done. It was all just, I think, 18 audio tracks, and all you had to do was just to, to mix them together. So no remixing as such. Right. Okay. I've, um, I've got something for you then. Um, it's because it's October, that means it's time for me to start banging on about my suicidal Christmas song Ah, again. yes, of course. So if you go to sometimessuicide.com, you can download all of the um, stems for that song, and I would love it if people sent me some more remixes of it. And if you send me remixes of it, I'll put them on SoundCloud with the other remixes that I got last year, and uh, then we can tell everyone about it, and I'll give lots of money to charity. Excellent. Great. There it I is. got about 30, 35 mixes from my one. And maybe you get like 50 or 100 mixes to choose from. Well, one would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Just one finished, yeah. One good one. You should, uh... You should play all the mixes at the same time and then sort of do like a phase cancellation of all the mixes and just, I reckon... See what's left. See what's left. <laughs> See what's left. That well, that's an interesting, interesting idea. Hmm, interesting concept. Wow, we're, we're getting quite tangential here. But, uh, yeah, good stuff. Um, is there anything oh, left? Oh, I didn't derail you too much in your program. No, Sorry. it's always good to have you, that has, <laughs> as you know. You're welcome. Um, so, yes, no, you shouldn't feel... Oh, yes, this was good. Um, I'm going to play this because I, I thought um, it looked interesting. I think it's this one. Uh, or is it not? It doesn't seem to be doing anything, so maybe it's not. Hi, this is... That's the one I want. Hi, this is Nile Rogers from the group Chic, and welcome to Electric Dreams, our two-part celebration of the life and times of legendary producer Giorgio Moroda, the king of electronica, and arguably the man who invented what we now know as dance music. The experimental stuff. I don't know who they That was a, a, an excerpt. There's a two-part uh, BBC... I think it's a BBC documentary, but it's interesting that it was uh, Nile Rogers who was um, who was narrating, or certainly the intro. I think he's got various parts. I haven't had a chance to listen to it all. But it was... What was quite interesting, this was just this news that came out, um, I think it was last week or the week before, that... Um, that basically Nile and uh, Moroder are going to work together, um, or you know, at least you know it slipped out that they were going to try and write some stuff together, and it just sounded like a uh, a fantastic idea, uh, just all round. And I'm <laughs> always any excuse to show a picture of uh, Moroder and his fabulous uh, look at the time. He doesn't look like that now, but uh, I- I'm sure you know. If I just maybe he could grow a moustache for the promo of this new product. That would be fantastic. Um, Dave, 
Looking forward to that. It's a shame we didn't have Rich on, actually, because uh, he's in Ireland with uh, Sheik at the moment, who look like they're having a blast. Yeah, hanging out with Bono. That's quite funny. I sat next to Bono on a plane once. In fact, going to Ireland, I was going to work for Elvis Costello, and just as the door of the plane shut, Bono ran in and sat next to me, and I thought... In fact, I made some comment about how it was usually a drummer who was late. Um, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, we got talking, and I was like, so... This is quite surreal, really. I take it Enya's going to be the trolley dolly and maybe Edge is actually piloting the plane or something. Anyway, yes, so that sounds like kind of Rich's life at the minute. Uh, yeah, though, this could be really good. It could be really good. Or it, it could nothing not. Niall does is bad, is it, really? George Edward has done some pretty rank stuff occasionally, but and Niall's just, he really has got it going on. It certainly has. Uh, in fact, um, for those of you who are uh, in the UK and perhaps are fans, or maybe uh, some younger members of your family are fans of The X Factor, Sheik are in fact playing this Saturday night on The X Factor. Or Sunday. One, one weekend. They, well, the night that they do the, the, the acts coming on and playing. So Sheik are actually performing. So Rich, our very own Rich Hilton, from the podcast, like, Woo-hoo. will be on stage uh, uh, as one of, part of, uh, one of Cal's monster... Productions. It's kind of so we said we can have a whip round and see if we can get him to drug somebody on the judge panel. <laughs> that would be quite funny. Spike, a, spike it with a load of road hypnol or something like that. That would be quite entertaining. Mm. I'll give you a tenner, Rich. Yeah, I think you probably need a bit more than that. That's interesting, yeah. though. But I know, Gaz, good. That would be, be a great thing to see. I'd love to see a beer fly on the wall in that session. I bet he just well, uses you know plugins how now. The, um, obviously, the big Daft Punk hit album this year features both of them doesn't it very prominently there's the there's the song called uh giorgio on the uh on the daft punk album which has got the the interview giorgio's just i i don't know if you've heard that song but giorgio's just talking the songs it's like the first few minutes is just giorgio talking over uh quite before it blooms into the full song so it's just quite interesting that that's the connection the the modern connection they're both you know because the Sheik's kind of rise to prominence in recent times is, is very much to do with uh, the exposure that Get Lucky. That's got to be the biggest song of the year, hasn't it, really? Yeah, everywhere. It's huge. Absolutely huge. Uh, so, yeah, so I think it's quite interesting. But why, I think both of them will be very, very conscious of, the, um, of their legacies when they work together. So I think that... Uh, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be really good. I think it'll probably... I think they'll really focus on the best of what you know they'll probably bring out the best in each other i'm sure it's uh, i do hope so it's incredibly exciting though I'm, I'm with you on this nick i look forward to it hans uh, can uh, a are you interested uh, excited or and b can you think of any other um uh fabulous pairings that we'd like to see perhaps someone from uh, from a, a german electronic um act Kraftwerk mm, and iggy pop mm. that could be mm. interesting could be interesting. <laughs> Could be. Um, but I, I thought I, I actually saw Chick on a Sona performance a couple of years ago. That was the last time. Yeah. It was great. They absolutely rock it, don't they? We're very lucky. Yeah. Did you see that thing about Niall's guitar? Yeah. The hit maker guitar. Yeah. Having generated something like over a billion dollars worth of hits. <laughs> No, really. Oh, it was just brilliant, and he nearly lost it. In fact, I've got it on here. They uh, it was valued at uh, the total value of music to flow through Niall's hit maker guitar uh, was once valued at two billion dollars. That's one point wow. three billion pounds. How about that? And he nearly lost it. <laughs> Bloody hell! He left it on a train, didn't he? 
<laughs> the other day, he left it on a train and got off the train and then realised that he'd left it on the train and then he had drove to the end of the line, got on the carriage and it wasn't there. And then he said <gasps> it was like the same as losing a friend. Um, he said he had the same feeling that when uh, when Bernard died, he had that same kind of feeling of absolute loss. And then he got off <coughs> the train and there it was just lying on the platform, still in the gig bag. Can you imagine that? Well, I, may I suggest, perhaps, Mr Rogers, that you're... GPS tracker. Small, slightly <laughs> more careful, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> Yes, but uh, no, but yeah, that, God, that'd be terrifying, wouldn't it? I can't imagine. Well, I, I can because I haven't got any instruments that would sort of make me that, that excited about it. I don't know. It might be, but it sounds like a good uh, a good potential. Um, See that and collaboration. I feel love is a classic example of why we don't really need to worry too much about the fact that our stuff doesn't stay in time with each other. Because by about halfway through the twelve inch. The hi-hat's nearly a sixteenth note out of time with where it started off. So it just everything drifts across the bar in such a way that it's all sort of becomes higgledy-piggledy and, and nobody really notices that the kick drum and the hi-hats aren't aligned. They're, they're way, way, way off. Oh, just go notice. and listen to that mix again today and, and listen for the drift because it's absolutely extraordinary how far it drifts out. That is interesting. That's a bit like... So we've got another revelation. So it's 16th, 16th out on the... About uh, a 16th. No, right. It almost goes so far out that it comes back on to beat again at one point. There's a lot of flamming going on there. <laughs> yeah. That and the Hey Jude F-bomb. Gosh, this is a, a mine of information. <laughs> uh, well, unless there's anything else that we want to cover, I mean, it feels like this uh, perhaps uh, natural attenuation has, uh, has brought us to... Uh, to you know, an ending point of the show. So um, I want to say thanks to everybody for joining <coughs> us. It's been great to have you along, and good to see you, Hans, in uh, in full HD. Now we've got you. Uh, yeah, great. We're, we're back in the. So every computer is uh, utilised here. What about this one? What's good that? Quality. Mark, the stereo uh, Mark, debate. Mark stereo debate. Yes. Do you know, can we leave it till Rich Hilton's on because he's very. <clears throat> opposed he's... to this idea and I think it would be much more fun if we do it when he's here. Yes. So let's yeah. Okay, that's that's what I was thinking. <laughs> so <laughs> that person that asked about it. Yes, cuz Mark got a uh, got, I a, got new, a, uh, a nice audio booth yeah. from somebody. We will uh, <coughs> we will come back to that. Promise definitely. to do it. I will promise to do it. But it will be more promise. fun with Rich here. Yeah, definitely cuz he's up for a d up for a bit a more a debate. A bit of an argument. Yeah, I think that's probably very <laughs> Hopefully, true. anyway. So uh, I want to say thanks to everybody. I'll start with uh, Eric over there, musotalk.de. Don't forget, go and check his stuff out, even if you yeah, don't speak uh, German. And there will be a Pulse 2 review online soon. Ah, yes, I'm happy to get one. I've been promised one, but it hasn't arrived, so I don't know whether that's... Okay. Soon. But you'll, you'll be... Maybe fair. I you'll can be help fair. you out there. I'm sure you'll be first. Uh, anyway, uh, yes, so non-Eric over musatalk.de, um, thank you very much, and have a great uh, great rest of your week. And we'll also come and say goodbye to Mr Gaz Williams, gazwilliams.me, look at that, the lower third and everything. Uh, thank you very much for joining <laughs> us, Gaz. Yes, uh, it's a pleasure, as always. Oh my, it's getting dark, isn't it? I've just realised. It's yeah, very yeah. hard to tell in here, because um, there is no light coming in, because it's dark, <clears> as it were, but... Uh, Yes, Gaz, and uh, look out for Gaz's uh, machine review. Um, yeah, you've had a chance. Just get back to me when you um, when you've had a chance to Ooh. check that link. I've, I said, did you get the link I sent you? Oh, it's I Skype. shall have a look. I sent it on Skype. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. So it'll be there. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. 
Um, but yes, thank you everybody again. I, uh, it's always great pleasure to talk about this stuff. Um, and yeah, check out the check out the machine review. I think it's. Uh, I definitely think it's. Yeah, it's quite impressive. It's thing. a beautiful thing, that's for sure. Mm. Even in white, I think maybe <laughs> maybe it's something that chic should have, you know, because it's white. In white, oh. yeah, it's so cheeky, cheeky cheek. Anyway, thank you, guys, and also thanks to Dave Spears, G4 Software, makers of fine software instruments and uh, synth collectors. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'd just like to take a moment because obviously the, there's a moment of condolence. Really, uh, this week we've lost uh, something really important because the Jonas Brothers have announced the split. Oh man. <laughs> that is. Uh, there were, uh, there was uh, musical differences. I think were cited, wasn't it? I thought uh, you were going to say we'd lost something important because Lou Reed had died. Well, that, exactly. So we have lost something important there as yes. well. Well, that's true. I'm sure the the interwebs have been full of uh, Lou Reedisms and what have you. Uh, it's actually quite sad because um, he always looked like he was. <laughs> he look, always looked to me like one of those um, uh, DC comic superheroes. Whenever I saw him performing, he just looked massively sort of statuesque and kind of indestructible, which, considering what he went through in the 70s, is, is mm. really surprising. He's, I suppose it's, you know, he's very fortunate to have, to have survived as long as he did, given his lifestyle during those, uh, those well, hedonistic apparently days. Apparently he had a liver transplant in April uh, and then uh, was sort of all better from that and was saying, I'm a miracle of modern science, and I don't know what he actually died of, but... Oh, well, that's sad. Um, but maybe yeah, somebody yeah. started a rumour, didn't they, about two days before it really happened? Somebody started a rumour that he died, and that had kind of whipped round, and then it was established that actually he was alive, and then he was dead. So when he really was dead, I was going, oh, no, it's just somebody started another rumour again. Oh, and then man, gradually it came Maybe out. it was a psychic. So I hope that person's feeling really bad now. They might be feeling really good. They might have their tarot cards out. They might be opening their doors to all of the, the world of... You know, I people so. that want to know what's going to happen next. That's the uh, that's the name for the uh, psychic, I suppose, isn't it? You should be called C. I told you so. You? That would be the kind of thing. <laughs> have a shop with that above it. Anyway, do you um, think? Oh no, I won't go. There. I think perhaps, but but you know, yes, yeah, sad news. But um, but anyway, uh, um, I suppose um, these things do come to pass. And anyway, uh, condolences to all involved. But uh, that's it for Sonic Talk number 330... God, what did I say it was? 338. 36, that's Six. right. Uh, I'm going to play out again with um, Mr... Um, <coughs> Mr Joseph Skrychek. Just because I can, because I can't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. 